Welcome to LocalJobNetwork.com radio. Your attention is directed to Minding Your P's and Q's, a show that studies the sensitive and sometimes treacherous subject of business etiquette. I'm your host, Tim Muma. Today we're examining the delicate topic of saying goodbye to an employee, a reality that does exist for employers, whether someone has earned their pink slip or are simply a victim of some sort of financial constraints. To help us wade through these deep waters, we have Roberta Matchison, owner of Matchison Consulting, joining us from Massachusetts today. For over 25 years, Roberta has helped Fortune 500 companies, as well as small to medium-sized businesses, develop and grow. She's also the author of Suddenly in Charge, Managing Up, Managing Down, Succeeding All Around. So it's no wonder we brought her on today. Roberta, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. I gave a little intro, obviously, into into yourself and your business. Um, but if you could, for the listeners out there, just give your breakdown of what you do, what your company does, and, and just your overall experience. Sure. My organization helps companies dramatically improve their market share and their profitability through the maximization of talent. I mean, in terms of that, as we mentioned, you've you've dealt with a, a number of different companies, and this maybe is a little different area. But I, I know you mentioned you've you've dealt with this and, and talked to companies about this subject. I guess how often do you discuss a topic with maybe other professionals or fellow members in terms of this idea of saying goodbye to employees in one way or the other? Unfortunately, given the economic state of our country in the past few years, I would have to say that. I've spoken about this topic more often than I probably would have liked to, uh, especially as some of my clients have gone through what they like to call right sizing, mm-hmm. as well as you know working one on one with executives who either have to transition an employee out of the organization or an entire department, uh, you know, due to cutbacks. With that, would you say that? I mean, you did mention obviously it's it's become more of a major topic in recent years. In terms of that, what, what I guess are the questions or concerns that people most often have, uh, whether it be from the employer side or maybe just in talking with other people throughout your profession, what, what's the, maybe the main concerns that they have or questions regarding this topic? Well, I typically see um, what happens in organizations is eventually the CEO or an executive or a manager tires of a situation that, quite frankly, probably hasn't been working out since, you know, day one. Right. And now they're ready to finally make a move. Only this is the first time that the employees even been told that things aren't really working out. And so they oftentimes want to see an immediate result and they want to see YA. They don't want to get sued. So, (laughs) you know, if we could turn back the clock, um, if they were in fact able to uh, manage the employee like they should have and had these conversations, it would have been a much easier transition out. And since you brought that up, is that somewhere where the biggest difficulty occurs in that it just gets dragged along and nothing's dealt with until, well, it's sort of the end time and now they want a solution? Do you feel that's possibly the uh, the biggest issue or challenge that they end up facing or you end up facing if you're trying to give them advice in that area? Well, I think the biggest challenge that most executives and managers face is that they are conflict avoidant. Mm. They do not want to have a conflict. And uh, there are ways to avoid conflict when you're uh, asking somebody to leave. But that's only if you do the right things up front. So, you know, their, their unwillingness to have a discussion that could actually help an employee improve their performance as well as help the productivity throughout the organization is often what 
creates the situation. And so there's a lot of guilt associated with that. Then in terms of what you do, because obviously a lot of what you focus on is is more of the, the growth aspect, and, and I would say the opposite of the spectrum in a lot of cases. Is there an area with this that specifically concerns you that you would address that maybe wouldn't lead to certain negative aspects that occur from that? I mean, it's a, it's a bad situation one way or the other, obviously, but are there any special areas or concerns that you have in regard to this topic? Well, actually, um, this topic is part of growth because you know, you have to have, you have to let some fresh air into your organization and you're never going to have fresh ideas and you're never going to have new ideas and you're never going to be able to, you know, turbocharge your organization if you don't mix things up. So sometimes, and and this is quite true with startups, the people that you've brought on board, uh, they're not necessarily the people that, you know, are going to maintain what has been built, mm-hmm. nor, quite frankly, do they want to. So, you know, in every company's lifetime, in, in the life cycle, there should be discussions around, you know, like Jack Welsh did, how do we uh, get rid of the bottom 10%, you know, so that you can continue to flourish. Right. No, that's a good point. I think people don't necessarily think in those terms. They think when somebody comes aboard, they're in it for the long haul. Everybody wants to make it work, and it's it's everyone's going to progress. But as you say, it it doesn't happen that way. It's just not reality. Right, and and I think what typically happens is companies become employment agencies instead of businesses that they intended to be in. Sure, you know, in an employment agency, your goal is to keep everyone employed. So, but that's not your job. If you're right. the CEO, that is not your job because. If you don't do your job, which is sometimes releasing people who shouldn't be with the organization any longer, then you risk, you know, everybody else's well-being. And let's talk a little bit about kind of moving that direction again, where it, it just is time to, to let, let someone go or for whatever reason, there are a number of different reasons. And, you know, you can touch on those different aspects as we move along. But just in general, are there certain guidelines that you would look to, kind of the do's and don'ts that employers maybe should follow when they are laying someone off or they're for some reason having to get rid of an employee? I actually got to experience um, being laid off myself at a young age. And it was an interesting um, experience, one that I would not recommend you go through if you don't have to. But what my company did, and at the time I didn't really understand it, but now in retrospect, I do get it was that they looked at the workforce and they said, rather than letting go those, you know, at the bottom of the chain or the ones who were paid a lot of money, Mm -hmm. they said, we're going to need to keep people who can pick up the slack. So those junior people like myself were let go. Okay. Um, And at the time I thought, wow, that doesn't really make sense. Um, (laughs) I make half as much as some of these people. But on the other hand, I think it was a smart move because if they kept the junior people, you know, we didn't have the experience or the capacity to take on more. Right. You know, we were just starting out. So really looking at, you know, who on your team can handle a little more work and not necessarily saying, well, they're my highest paid person. They have to go. Now, are there are certain factors that might change how it handled. I mean, you, you brought up obviously a terrific example in that, you know, how they were thinking in terms of, well, if we just get rid of all the higher priced people, then we're, we're left with a lot of inexperience. So are there different factors that might play a role that determine how it's handled or who they maybe decide to, to get rid of? What typically happens is we begin with the non-performers. Okay. 
Okay. And what happens is they get put on the list when in fact they should have been taken out of the organization a long time ago. <laughs> and had that not happened, we might not be having a discussion on layoffs. Sure. So what I see happen um, all too often is that organizations use this term, quote unquote, layoff as a um, cover up. Because I don't want to have that conversation again of one of conflict where I have to tell you that you're not meeting expectations. And that's an uncomfortable thing to say. But if I can just cover it up and say, well, you know, the economy's bad and I need to let some people go and you happen to be one of them, then I don't have to have that discussion. Mm -hmm. Of course, you know, the the wave that goes through the rest of the organization is is not a good one when when companies have to go through a reduction in force. And that's already already what I hear from you is that it seems like a lot of this or in many cases, if they just were upfront about things early on and got rid of the people that they felt, you know, weren't a fit or, or for whatever reason, they'd have a lot less negative ramifications in, ramifications in the long run. Why is it then? Is it really just they don't want to have those conversations, deal with those issues that, I mean, they're really putting their business, in my view, a little bit more of a detriment because they put it off. And like you said, there are different morale issues that go into it and the rest of the company and employees, how they feel. I mean, why does this happen if it seems like it's such a negative to, to hold on to people almost just out of fear of confrontation? Well, I think it happens for a number of reasons. One being that um, no matter how high up in the organization you are, I find that many leaders um, are uncomfortable with interviewing hmm. and uh, many of them actually don't know how to assess for talent. And so the idea of keeping the devil you know rather than going back out to the market and investing more time and energy and trying to find someone who you you know hope and pray will be better. <laughs> Prayer is not a strategy unless, of course, you're in a religious institution, I guess. But uh, it's certainly not in a business in the business world. And so what winds up happening is that you know because they are uncomfortable using, you know, assessing candidates, they wind up just throwing people in and hoping that in the end it works out. Sure. In terms of the size of a company, how much does that play a factor in how they handle it? Numbers obviously play a factor, but if you're talking, is it, should it always be like a face-to-face -face type thing? Or, I mean, is there, is there leeway if a company is just so large that it just wouldn't be feasible? How does that kind of all work a little bit more of logistically? Well, I would ask you to think about, you know, how would you like to hear the news? As, as much as it hurts, I would always want to be face-to-face. -face. I, I myself was also in a, a layoff situation, and uh, it stunk, and it hurt, and I kind of felt it coming when I hit called in, but uh, that's how I'd prefer it anyway. Right, and I think most of us feel like, you know, we put in and we've given our organizations a commitment, and we have spent... It, it's almost like, you know, breaking up with your husband or wife, you know, over Skype or uh, <laughs> sending them a text or, you know, I mean, think about it. Right. Some people are with their employers for longer than their spouses mm -hmm. and to receive notification in a way that's not really in the best interest of the employee because the manager um, is uncomfortable. Well, you know, I say get over it. I like that you bring that up because that's another question that some people often have. The person delivering the so-called bad news is there ideal levels of management that should be involved? Or, I mean, do you choose and does HR get involved with that? Is it upper management? Is it direct reports? Like how, I mean, in your view, what's the proper etiquette or the proper way to handle something like that? 
Well, I think it depends on the situation. Um, you know, in, in a, a regular situation, I would say that the, the manager who is supervising that employee or, mm-hmm. you know, the supervisor uh, should be coached by somebody, whether it's an outside expert if an organization doesn't have an internal resource or someone in HR. We do find that there's sometimes situations that we sense they might be a little volatile. Sure. So um, having another person in the room is a good idea if it, if there's a sense that this might not go well. Uh, that person can also, um, you know, be a witness later on if there might be a lawsuit that comes of, as a result of the termination. So it really depends on the situation. And that you brought up this idea that, you know, sometimes it's not going to go well. Obviously, you're dealing with people and emotions and, and who knows what sort of other things are going on and the idea that lawsuits could occur or whatever. Without names of people or companies or anything like that, are there any situations that you've overseen or heard that stand out in your mind, whether it was an extremely positive kind of separation or there were unfortunate negative circumstances? And the only reason I ask is because, it could run the gamut and it's going to depend on organization and people involved. But I do think it's important for people to hear that what can happen or what does occur. Is there anything that stands out in your mind that you've seen, heard, dealt with yourself? Yeah, absolutely. In fact, it happened to me. I had a manager one time tell me that she, quote unquote, wasn't sure if I was meeting her expectations Although, quote unquote, um, <laughs> she wasn't sure she had ever told me what they were. Oh, well, it's, that's a little yes. hard to meet those expectations. <laughs> well, you know, she went to Harvard. Oh. Um, I only went to Northeastern. Well, so yeah. I thought to myself, well, maybe at Harvard they taught mind reading because, you know, <laughs> Northeastern, although a wonderful private college, we didn't get that class. And it's been over 20 years And not only have I written about this person in my book, Suddenly in Charge, and probably not in a real flattering way, um, (laughs) and I have mentioned this and I have spoken about this everywhere when I give speeches in, you know, Fortune 500 companies. And what I find so interesting is that it always gets a chuckle. Sure. You know, because people, I'm sure it's happened to them. Right. (laughs) In terms of that specifically, and, and you said, you know, people chuckle because they can probably relate in some way. I mean, is that just, I don't even know how to ask a question with that really, because it seems like you you really never had a chance in that way. I mean, is that, when people are looking at these situations, is that really all they want is just, I want to know how I can meet your expectations. I want to know how I can avoid being in, in the same kind of situation you were. So much of it just seems to come down to communication. Is that where the disconnect often comes or, or what's your thought on that? Sometimes, you know, I, my mentor always says, you know, don't assume your client is damaged. And I try not to assume that. But, you know, I have worked for some damaged managers, she being one of them. And I mean, psychologically damaged and, and it does happen. And so, you know, it takes years to get over that and to really wonder what your contribution was in that, if any. Mm-hmm. But I'm, I'm sharing this with you because this happened pre-internet. If this happened to me today, I probably would have gone on to glassdoor.com, which is that website where you can make comments about your employer, sure. you know, anonymously. I probably would have shared it on Facebook with all my friends and on LinkedIn <laughs> and everywhere that I could. Right. And before long, when this company started to go out to hire again and people like yourself 
would be looking, uh, you know, at these sites, they would be really saying, you know, I, I'm just not going to go there. And um, I'm writing a new book right now called The Magnetic Workplace. As part of this, you know, chapters that are, as part of the chapter I'm writing on employee attraction, I talk about how your brand is all you have when you're trying to pull talent in. And uh, today, people are going to go online. They're going to they'd be silly if they didn't. Right. And what is it that you want them saying about your company? And that's a nice segue into one of the other questions I had for you. And in terms of handling these situations, whether it be a, a mass thing or an individual type, how important is it for a company to handle the layoff situation, the, the termination of employees, in terms of having some dignity, respect, an overall positive way of handling these situations in terms of future prospects, as you mentioned, current employees, the the whole idea of morale and culture. How important do you place that in the grand scheme of things? It is so important. I mean, one of our local employers where I live, much I'm sure to their embarrassment, although they should be embarrassed, was in the local newspaper because they did a layoff. And what they had done was uh, they put people in a conference room and uh, told them to look underneath their chairs, and underneath their chairs were envelopes. And those, and they t- asked them not to read those envelopes until they got home. Well, you know, not everybody follows directions, and some people open those envelopes up in the parking lot, at which point they were informed that they no longer had a job. Wow. Now, I remember, you know, playing these kind of games, you know, at birthday parties when I was five, six, seven years old. Right. But, you know, we're not dealing with kids here. This is someone's life. Right, exactly. And to put them in a room and to treat them like that, you can just imagine the uproar and, you know, how that got picked up by the newswire. I mean, who the heck is in charge of that company? (laughs) Yeah, I, I can't say. I mean, I I didn't look too much into, you know, specific things like that. But um, I guess that is the concern of a lot of people that they're going to be handled in a way like that. And I just can't imagine how that, how any, like you said, how anyone in charge thinks that that's a right or good idea. And as you said, almost playing a game with people's lives in this sense. Well, it happens. And I'm sure they're not the first. And from what I hear, they're not the last. Sure. And clearly, that's a big part of this is it, it is difficult. And you say, you know, hey, as a manager, as a head of a company, just you need to get over it. I mean, in the grand scheme of things, you're still fine. It's the person you're letting go that it's going to have the, the trouble. So what are some ways maybe to help soften a blow or some tips that you could give to an employer, anybody really that's in a position that they have to let go of someone for one reason or another, just to give them maybe a little more confidence and help them get over it, so to speak. Because I'm sure there are a lot of fears of of the negative reactions and, and different things that can arise. So any tips that you can give, guidelines to help them in that regard? Sure. Um, I think it's so important to be honest A colleague of mine told me a story how uh, she had gone to her boss more than one time before she bought her first house. And here in Massachusetts, homes are a pretty big commitment, you know, financially. Mm -hmm. And, you know, she said, you know, I'm going to be, I'm thinking about buying this house. And he's like, oh, that's a great idea. And this is the owner. Mm -hmm. Okay. So he knew the financials. Right. Um, Yeah, it's a great idea. And then she went back you know, I'm going to put an offer in. Oh, yeah, great. Do that. And I kid you not, a week after closing, which was maybe three weeks later, he uh, brought her in and said, I can't afford to keep you anymore. Wow. 
And so she was left with, you know, in a tough employment market, a single woman with a mortgage and no income and no package to land on. And he could have very easily, even if he didn't want to tip his hat, he could have said, you know, I would wait if I were you, you know, our numbers aren't in yet. I mean, he could have told some other white lies. He could have just really discouraged her from moving forward. And I think that this happens quite often. Managers know when their employees are making major purchases, uh, yet they don't caution them and say, you know, maybe buying a brand new car right now isn't the best idea. You know, perhaps, you know, why don't you wait and see what the Christmas bonuses are, if there are any, you mm. know, just sort of making sure that people aren't digging themselves in a larger hole. Sure. And I think it's interesting you bring that up because a lot of conversations I have, even with people around here and um, you know, we do deal with plenty of companies, employers, that kind of thing. There always seems to be this balance between, I mean, the true business aspect of it and the bottom line and the idea of the human element that you are dealing with people. And it's interesting that, you, that your suggestion is in those cases, do something still to protect them, even if you don't have a kinship with that person, to put them in a spot like that, like you said, knowingly. Um, that's only going to have negative ramifications, I would imagine. That's kind of how you feel, both internally and externally, and that it just has far-reaching ramifications, wouldn't you say? It's just wrong. I mean, it makes no sense. And, you know, maybe you feel good at the end of the day because, you know, you're in charge and um, you're in control of people's lives. But, you know, that's just really it doesn't set it doesn't sit well and it certainly isn't going to help your brand when you do pull out of your economic situation and you try to rehire no we talked about you know the honesty aspect obviously that being a big part and face to face being the way you really should always handle it not playing these games are there any other things that you would point to that you would say are important for an employer to either be prepared for when they're going to be laying off uh, either whether it be one employee or many um, or just any other little tips that could help? Or, I mean, is that really the, the biggest thing, just making sure you're upfront and, and doing it in a personal manner as opposed to any of the other things that we've talked about? In my book, Suddenly in Charge, um, there's a whole chapter on timeless tips for tactful terminations. Hmm. And in that chapter, I talk about, you know, what, what you as an employer can do or as a manager to soften that blow. And some of the tips right from the book include you know, is there any way that you can provide some outplacement for that employee, helping them land a job more quickly? Mm -hmm. Can you put together a package so that they have more than just, you know, a week of pay? Uh, can you extend their health insurance a little bit longer so that that's one less thing they have to worry about? I mean, there's, you know, six, seven, eight more tips in that chapter, but I think that's just a really good place to start. And, by the way, I don't know how quickly this will be released, but my book is available on Amazon right now on for the Kindle for two ninety nine for a download, which hmm. is just unheard of. So this is the time. Grab it. Now, with what you said there, there are plenty of employers, heads of companies, managers, and they're not saying it in a vicious way or thinking in a vicious way, but you know, some of the tips you just gave there, well, I don't have to do that. So their question would be, why should I? Why Why is that important? Why are those tips that you give, what would be your explanation? Because it's not something that they have to do or required to do. No, they're not. And, you know, I think I would always look at it and say, if this were happening to my son, my daughter, my spouse, 
my significant other? How would I want them to be treated? Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, you know, if you can live with yourself and you're comfortable, you know, treating people like disposable assets because that's okay with you, even though you have the resources to do otherwise, then, you know, at the end of the day, that is your decision. And you have to look in the mirror, not me. A lot of this discussion has been about, you know, that employee or the employees that you are laying off. Let's say it is a, a situation where a company is going to terminate one employee or two employees. In terms of the rest of the company, what's the etiquette in letting them know? I mean, is it something that is discussed? Is it something that is made known? Do people just have to find out on their own, which obviously begets rumors and whatnot? How, how does one handle kind of the internal news and the etiquette behind that aspect of it? Well, I think you bring up a real good point, and that is that oftentimes we forget about what I call the survivors. Hmm. Those are the people who are still left on the island. I would do a few things. If it's an individual situation, I always recommend just saying, you know, um, John is no longer with us. I can't really share any of the details, but I just want to let you know. And if you uh, will get together later on to figure out how we're going to, you know, handle his workload, mm -hmm. you know, and if somebody pushes back and says, well, you know, I want more details, you say, you know, I, I would do the same for you if you were in this situation and I would respect your privacy. I hope you will do the same, you know, for me right now. Right. And then the other thing is, is if it's a more of a mass layoff, it's really important to pull the entire team together right away. And to be truthful and to never say, well, you know, we just did this layoff and we're done because you know what, two months from now, you may not be done. So, you know, it's better to just be honest and say, we think that, you know, we'll be fine if we all pull together, it'll strengthen our organization and allow us to rebuild. But, you know, never promise something you cannot guarantee. Sure. And with us running low on time here, we've touched on a lot of different areas and we appreciate all of your insight and really your, your blunt honesty in a lot of cases. If you did have just a few moments that you had to summarize to employers or anyone, again, in a position that they may have to be in charge of this type of situation, what would just be the, the simplest, best advice you could give them before terminating an employee, laying off multiple employees? Just your overall best advice that you feel you could give. My best advice, and I tell this to my clients and especially the ones who bring me in to uh, train them on how to be more effective in the selection process is that if you find you are in a situation where you are having high turnover and it's not uh, voluntary, then you don't have a, a retention problem. You really have a selection problem. Hmm. So if you are in a situation where you're constantly hiring people and finding out that you have to terminate them, then it's really best to take a look and say, this isn't you know, this problem, it's really my problem in my inability to select people and then go get some help. If you do have to go through this process of terminating somebody or laying people off, you know, just always remember to keep the heart intact. There's no reason, you know, you're not Donald Trump. These people are not going to get, you know, their own reality TV shows next week. Mm -hmm. You know, just treating them with respect and um, treating them the way that you would like to be treated, you know, should your turn ever come. Great. Well, that uh, sounds like good advice to me. I, I've never been in that situation, but uh, clearly you've had a handle on this and you've been experienced in, in the ways of 
not just this part of it, but all, how everything plays together for all these companies. That will signal the end of today's program, however, here on Mining Your P's and Q's. We do hope you picked up some constructive and effective tips for the next time you do need to say goodbye to an employee. We were guided today by Roberta Matchison of Matchison Consulting. Roberta, where can people find out more about you as well as your books? Oh, people can find out more by going to www.matchisonconsulting.com. And if they'd like to send me an email at roberta at matchisonconsulting.com, um, I have some tips that I can send them, some timeless tips on tactful terminations uh, that I think would be very helpful. And they can also sign up for my newsletter on the website. Okay. Great. Well, thank you very much for joining us today. Well, thank you. And for all you listeners, please check in here again on Mining Your P's and Q's, part of localjobnetwork.com radio. If you do have any comments or suggestions for the show, email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. So until we speak again, I'm Tim Muma. <laughs>